Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three and author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Know Your Food with Wardy. This is episode 151. Wow, we've surpassed 150. What a privilege it's been to visit with you. If you'd like links and more, the things I mentioned with this episode, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 151 for episode 151. If you're joining me live right now on Periscope, where I'm recording this podcast, welcome to you. If you're catching this replay later through iTunes or through the video replay at knowyourfoodpodcast.com, welcome to you as well. It's going to be fun. Last week, um, I introduced kitchen rules one through five and uh, all week long since they've just been coming to me and since you all enjoyed the, the last episode 150 so much I thought we should do it again so let me explain what the kitchen rules are in case you missed one through five well here's the thing um, I listen to a podcast completely unrelated to food and the guy talks about and he he helps me with um well, he doesn't help me. He helps so many people, but his his particular focus is on email, and so I learn a lot about you know how to do effective email with all the traditional cooking members and subscribers. And so he goes through these email rules, he calls them, and they're just ways to teach these principles about you know credibility and integrity and being effective and all that. And I got to thinking. There's so much we can learn in the kitchen. So that's where the title, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in the Kitchen, came from, and this idea of sharing kitchen rules with you. So today we're on uh, kitchen rules five, sorry, six through 10. So another five kitchen rules. I look forward to hearing from you if any of these resonate with you. And as I said, I'm recording this live on, on Periscope right now. So if you're in the live audience, you just feel free to keep the hearts flowing and the comments coming as I share rules six through 10. If you're listening to this later, the comments are open for you at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 151. I would love for you to come by there and share your thoughts about any of these kitchen rules. And if you've missed one through five and want to catch up, that podcast is available for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150. That was the part one of all I really need to know I learned in the kitchen. Today we'll do part two. So you guys ready? Um, I've, as I said, these have just been coming to me. And here, I'll show you. I've been writing them down on um, whatever these are called. Sticky notes because I'm in the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever, and I just run out and I get my, my whatever this is called, sticky, sticky note pad, and I write it down. And so then I, I brought it with me today to make my notes for today's episode. And actually, there's only three here. And one came to me last night when I was driving. I could not write it down, and I don't remember it today. Isn't that sad? I don't remember it. Maybe it'll come to me again. But as I was typing up these three, um, 
preparing for today, two more came to me. So that's why we have five more today. Otherwise, we were looking at just three. <laughs> um, okay, so number six, kitchen rules. All I really need to know I learned in the kitchen is actions speak louder than words. We've all heard this, right? Well, it is so true. As moms, especially most of, most of the people that I'm speaking to are moms, and as a mom myself, um, the kitchen is kind of our domain. For a lot of us, we're in charge of not only nourishing the family through what we prepare, but nourishing our children, their souls and their education and their hands and their training so that they will, um, they will grow up maybe knowing, knowing better the things that we didn't know growing up, but we have this legacy we're building in our children. So, um, in our domain of our kitchen, and obviously this can extend farther into our lives. Um, we want to be a person, not just speaking words to them, like, don't do that. Don't do that. But we want to be a person who's leading with our actions and teaching them with our actions, how to behave, how to handle kitchen challenges, how to go after something when you really want to learn it. Our children are paying attention. If we're talking about how, you know, someday I'd really learn to make, like to learn to make kombucha. And we just say that for years and years and never do it. They see that. However, if we say, I really like to learn to make kombucha and they see us at the computer watching videos, hopefully traditional cooking school videos, um, and just absorbing all this information, then going in the kitchen like, and then calling one of them, hey, you want to try this with me? That's what I'm talking about, um, kind of inspiring them through our own actions. And that's a positive example, but there's negative examples as well, like um, you know, how you handle weird foods or how you handle kitchen setbacks. You know, we ha all have children who are in the kitchen or more, like I can think of one example that wasn't in the kitchen, but it totally relates, is one of our daughters, um, well, one of the things that I grew up knowing, my mom taught me when I was seven years old how to sew on a sewing machine, and I've been a sewer my whole life. And so when our daughters were young, they saw me sewing and they were very interested. And they saved up their money, and by the time they were, I can't remember their ages, but they each, both daughters saved up more than $100 each from birthday and all that, because they saw that I loved sewing and they decided they wanted to sew too and they wanted their own sewing machine. So they each paid for their own sewing machine through their hard earned money as a child, you know, and we didn't do allowances or anything like that. So it's birthday money and odds and ends of money for years. So they saved up and maybe they were 10, 11, 12, something like that. And they each bought a sewing machine. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, cool comments coming in. I'm sewing while listening. I love that. I wish I could be sewing while I'm talking. This morning, my husband handed me a shirt to mend and he said, can you fix this or does it just need to be cut up? And I said, I can fix that. I just can't do it right now. So tomorrow. So I have this little mending project tomorrow. Anyway, so they bought their sewing machines and it was fun and we learned to sew, but here's what happened. One of my daughters in particular is very particular and she likes things to line up and she's just a very, you know, type A, you would call it. <clears throat> and sewing is so frustrating to her. And it was really, really frustrating then because fabric stretches or thread breaks or the needle gets dull or it gets, you know, caught up. I mean, you know, if you sew, you know that things happen. And so she would just be in tears over and over and over again. Well, that's one of those things um, that we see in our children, we have to help them through that. But are we doing something like that ourselves and not realizing that we're setting that kind of example for them? Like if there's, if you have a kitchen setback or a sewing setback, are you handling it with, you know, bursts of anger and 
you know, swearing and being annoyed or, I, I mean, I said swearing. I don't know if women tend to do it that way. Maybe men tend to burst out that way more than, more than women do. But whatever the hang-up is, how are you handling those setbooks, setbacks and how are your actions teaching your children? Like we can tell them, you know, don't get upset about that. That's okay. But what if it happens to us? Do we get off the handle, fly off the handle upset? You know, in that situation, we're telling them one thing and we're doing another. So these kind of things that we want to teach our children, especially in the domain of the kitchen, is going to extend into their whole life. But in the place where we are the most, we want to set the tone and set the example with our actions as well as our words. So um, other, other quick examples I jotted down. You know, are you willing to try new foods? Um, how do you handle foods you don't like? What if you go out somewhere, like to a potluck or somebody's house, and they don't serve the kind of food that you prefer to eat? Or you hop in, the, in, your, um, in your vehicle with the family drive home and then just start complaining about how bad it was? And I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here. These are just the things that occurred to me that I've seen people do, and even in our family we've done sometimes that it's 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 when you look back and you see you know how the poor choices you made how to handle things it's very convicting um so that one example of how do you handle people's hospitalities even if they don't know how you eat we've got to just overflow with thanksgiving and not focus on the negative for the sake of the children are listening to us uh so i think that's all i have to say about that that was kitchen rule number six actions speak louder than words and I see the hearts are flowing. Thank you so much for that feedback you all are sharing. Moving on to kitchen rules number seven. Um, first, about number six. So Spring Spinner says she learned how to eat things she hates without making a face growing up. So that must have been something your parents instilled in you. Learn to eat something new and don't make a face about it. <laughs> and that's the action. The action of how you handle that thing. Maybe you hated it. <laughs> Maybe, you know, maybe it finally grew on you, but, you know, try it without making a face. And as parents, we probably ought to do that for our children. <clears throat> try things without making a face. Okay, so kitchen rule number seven. This is very related to number six, probably just a slight nuance. Um, and as I'm going through these kitchen rules, the things that are striking me are kind of these phrases that just hit me. And, um, you know, they might be a Proverbs or a... a a common quote or a common saying, but they really apply in the kitchen. So there's going to be some overlap, but I just, I feel like it's beneficial just to draw out each one and see how it relates to the kitchen. So number seven is people listen to experts, but they follow leaders. And I did not make this up. I heard this like in business or something. So here's the thing. We love traditional cooking. Everybody who's listening here has some kind of reason for loving traditional cooking. It might be it just is a way for you to connect with God. It could be it's transformed your health. It could be mean you have it could be because you have hope of what it's going to do for your family and your health or yourself. So we have these agendas. We have a passion. And there are people in our lives who are not interested. <laughs> And we can nag, we can ply them with information, data, and facts. We can talk about it constantly up and down. And all we're going to do is be a nag and an annoyance to them. Um, that's why this is what I think of when I think of this, um, this quote. People listen to experts, they follow leaders. We don't want to be just the expert that's spouting off things and being an annoyance. We actually want to lead. Now, leaders do know the facts, but they're discerning and they're wise 
and they rely a lot on um, spiritual guidance for knowing what to do and how to proceed. So if there are people in your life that you, you, you know, want to win over, you have to be a leader about it, not merely an expert. They're not going to follow you if you're just a fact spouting nag. They're going to follow you if you're truly leading. So this means, and a lot of this in situations I've faced really comes down to prayer and asking for guidance. I don't, I don't, um, I need help making good decisions. <laughs> and God is the one who leads me through that. So <clears throat> if you're not like a, a person who just, you know, can just tell the right thing to do, which, you know, I think there's people that are better at discernment than others, but in every situation, we all can benefit on God. But what this means being a leader is discerning what battles you should fight. There's probably some battles that you just simply should let go and not, not fight. It means to pray. It means to ask God for his wisdom on how to proceed. It means sometimes maybe just keeping your mouth shut and just carrying on with your own actions, what you can control about yourself. You can't force others, and leaders know this. Leaders, true leaders know that, I mean, good leaders know. And in our families, I'm not saying that we as moms should be the leader of the family. I'm saying that the kitchen is our place, and if we're the one who's passionate about changing our family's lives, through the foods that we eat and prepare and serve, that we are the leader in that, if you want to call it being a leader. So be a strong leader, a discerning leader, and know that as a leader, you're welcome. I'm getting a thanks for the inspiration in the comments. Know that as a leader, that not everyone's going to follow with you. And know that as, as a leader, you should know that everybody needs to make their own choice and that you can't be a nag about it. You need to be positive and discerning like I talked before. So sometimes that means, um, like if it's another adult, obviously, you know, you cannot decide for them. You cannot force them. You just want to be a good example, be positive, be cheerful, um, rely on the Lord for when to say something, when not to say things. Sometimes there's a lot of power in keeping our mouths shut. Another, um, common technique is instead of push, 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 push with facts and data, and I think you should, and you should be doing this, da, 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 is ask questions, leading questions, because that's opens a discussion and a dialogue and be just be open-minded and be listening to, you know, what's coming back to you on the other side. Now with our children, it's different because, um, we have certain expectations and they're in our home and every, um, every family has, you know, these are the rules. <laughs> so some of these things may be non-negotiable, excuse me, may be non-negotiable. Like there's certain expectations and they don't really have a choice. I, I mean, they're going to do it. The choice they need to make is, is like, you know, the attitude inside and you really can't control the attitude. So in this situation, the way that we can be a leader, like if we're expecting them to take a certain so many bites of food, or if we're expecting them to eat what's served or go hungry, <clears throat> or if we expect them to help without complaining or help without whining, those are expectations we can expect of our children for the healthy family dynamic and all that. So as a leader, as a mom in this situation, a strong mom in this situation, um, we need to do our best not to whine or cajole, or um, um, what's the word? Uh, put. We don't want to like turn it into you know put downs and saying negative things about the children. It's mostly just like this is what you're going to do, and these are the consequences if you don't. So not turning it into 
put downs or humiliation or whining or begging them. That's not leadership. Leadership is setting the expectation and the consequences if um, they're not, you know, followed. Uh, so that's, those are my thoughts on the kind of two situations, the, the grown-up adult that you cannot force and the child that you cannot force like what's in their heart, but you can, um, enforce the actions because there's a certain standard of behavior that's required in your family. And that's a very black and white kind of blanket way to handle it. Obviously there are issues in every family, extenuating circumstances, differences. So just take it with a grain of salt, apply it to your family. And I want to close this point just by bring it back to ourselves because this isn't just a rule that like, oh, you know, everyone else in our, we're, we're strong and perfect and we need to lead in this situation uh, because we know everything or we've got it all figured out. But that's not true because we ourselves um, have hangups. I know myself, uh, there are certain things that, you know, my husband told me years ago that I resisted and, you know, it took me a long time to come around and he as a strong leader didn't force me. We talked about it and he just gave me time and I finally came around. And that's sort of a characteristic of our relationship is in many situations, Wardy is the last one to come around. <laughs> and my husband is being the good leader in that, in keeping the discussion open, but allowing me to make my own choice or to come around when I finally will. So I have hangups and, and maybe there's another hangup where there's nobody in your life telling it to you, but you know, you, there's something you should be doing with your health. There's something, you know, emotionally that gets you hung up. So the point is you've been in a situation yourself where you have a hang up and you have a choice to do the right thing, whether or not somebody else is expecting of you or telling it to you. So realize that is what's happening in the people around you that you're trying to, um, you're trying to, you know, inject them with your passion and get them on, you know, on the same agenda as you, well, they're not on the same agenda as you. And you know how that feels yourself because you've had people in your life and you're not on their agenda. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say here is, you know, have compassion for that, um, that person who's going through that because you've been there yourself and the right way to handle it is to be a leader, not just an expert, you know, spouting off and nagging and whining and all that. Okay. So I think that's it about number seven. Rule number seven, people listen to experts, they follow leaders. Does anyone have anything to say about that before I move on to number eight? And I need to move more quickly here. All right, so number eight, your chain is only as strong as your weakest link. You guys have heard that, right? Well, this is both in our personality, our business, our relationships, and our kitchen and our life and our functionality. Okay, so if you just get very practical about the kitchen, if your kitchen's chaotic or you're falling behind or, you know, it's just really hard to um, get done the things that you ideally would like to get done, you gotta just take a good hard look at the kitchen. Where are things getting hung up? Maybe it is, you know, the, nobody's keeping up with the dishes. It's as simple as that. Well, your kitchen life and what you're serving and preparing is only be, gonna be as good as strong as the weakest link. And so if the dishes are piling up, that's gonna affect the productivity and what you're able to produce out of the kitchen. So in that situation, the weakest link is the dishes piling up. That's just an example. Maybe it's 
um, discipline around eating sweets or eating out or having boxed foods or maybe, you know, you're trying to do everything yourself and you're not taking the time to teach your children how to help you so that it's all on your shoulders and then you're, you're sick or you're ill or you have no energy or whatever and so it's not getting done. So what's the weakest link in that situation that I just said? The weakest link is getting the children involved so it's not all on your plate because you only have limited time and resources. So if, if I run into this um, in life or in the kitchen, what I usually do if, if there's a problem somewhere is just make a list. By the way, this is called um, the theory of constraints, I believe, and it applies in all areas of life, but you can really do it like in the kitchen or a relationship or a work situation. But if there's, it's just not working right. You make a list of all the problems, like, well, just make a list of all the problems. I just said a bunch. So you make a list of all of them. And then with each one, you ask why, well, why is that happening? Why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? So you make your list and you draw a line with the why. So the dishes are backing up because, uh, we're using, you know, everybody's using five utensils instead of one or one, and nobody's assigned to dish duty. So you're saying some whys on each one of these problems. You're saying whys. And so you have a list of whys, and you might need to ask why again and again and again, because there could be a root cause behind a root cause behind a root cause. Not that they're all root causes, but you just keep going deeper. And if you go deeper and deeper, and, and your list is kind of contained to one aspect of your life, like the kitchen, or um, your work situation, or your relationship, or your spiritual life, or your fitness... If you confine all the problems to that one sphere and you ask why on each of them and you keep asking why and you keep asking why, you, you normally end up with like one or two things that need to be fixed. And that's called the root cause. And that's the weakest link. So instead of focusing on all these other little things that can get you overwhelming and it's like, I can't fix like 15 million things at once, you're actually only fixing one or two things because they are the root cause of everything else. Another thing it could be is in your health. And you know, we've heard this, you've heard this at traditional cooking school, you've heard it from me, but our health is in the gut, right? We, there's so many diseases out there that if you heal the gut, they're healed. And yet so much of pharmaceuticals and, and supplements and these things we do, we're just trying to do a Band-Aid solution to all these like symptoms and diseases where if we focused on healing the gut, that's where the true solution is. Does that make sense? The gut is the weakest link there. You can only be as healthy as your gut is healthy. And your kitchen can only be as productive as the least productive place in the kitchen, which maybe is, um, you know, you're making concessions too often, or you're too busy so you don't have time to cook, or the dishes are getting backed up so you don't have time to cook because you're always doing dishes, or everybody's using too many plates and utensils. There's so many dishes that you don't have what you need when you need to cook. There's so just go through that exercise with any area of your life, but especially we're talking in the kitchen. Figure out what all the problems are and ask why. Just keep asking why until you get to the root cause, and then you fix that. You work on fixing that. Um, so that was number eight. Kitchen rule number eight: uh, the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. Kitchen rule number nine: I'm going to have to pick up the pace here because um, in about 20 minutes, we have new member orientation at Traditional Cooking School. So if you're an, a new member, you got an email today with a link, and please join me there. Um, number nine, there are no bad questions, only bad answers. <laughs> this really has to do with our children, um, and maybe even our spouses too, because we're what, the queen of the kitchen, right? It's our domain, we've talked about that. We're responsible for the kitchen. 
give or take. I know there's different family situations. So the spouse and the children, they're part of our life, so therefore they're part of the kitchen. So be welcoming to them. If, if the children are asking questions, and I know it can get annoying when they're toddlers, when they're asking, what's that, what's that, or why, or why, or why, or who's that, or, you know, just over and over and over. Well, we want the kitchen to be a place where they know that we have patience, that we have energy, that we want to explain things to them, we want to infuse them with our passion. We don't want to laugh at them and make them feel stupid. We don't want it to be humiliating. We want to foster this and culture this beautiful relationship that happens in the kitchen. That's where we spend our time. And, you know, in last week's episode, one of the commenters said she's always alone in the kitchen. And that's so sad. And none of us want to be alone. Well, I mean, maybe somebody does want to be alone in the kitchen, but the commenter didn't want to be alone in the kitchen. I don't want to be alone in the kitchen. And sometimes that starts with when the people are making an effort, do you turn them away with... Um, you know, like, I don't have time for that, or that's a stupid question, or don't you know the answer to that? I mean, sometimes these things just come out of us, but we need to stop and think and act the other way to be encouraging and loving and energetic and patient. There are so many, so many things that could not get done that would be okay, but keeping our relationships healthy, it's, that's not okay. Let the other things go and Keep the relationships healthy just for the sake of loving the people in your family. And I'm not like pointing names or pointing fingers here. This is very general talk. And I just see this and I see it in myself and I see it in family members. I just wish, I think we all should just be more patient <laughs> and more loving and kind. And there are no bad questions, only bad answers. In other words, you know, your answer is your responsibility. Don't you know, don't deflect that onto the other person and make them feel stupid or you don't have time for them. Make the kitchen a place of joy and fun. Not just a place where food is cooked, but where relationships are strengthened. Relationships with your children, relationships with your spouse. All right. And number 10, it's related. A soft answer turns away wrath. This is one of my favorite proverbs. Um, as, you know, as, as, as the moms and we're doing a lot of the cooking and sourcing, of ingredients and all that, we have bad experiences. So we might have a bad experience at a store. We might have a bad experience with a local farm. We might have um, a bad experience with a family member because we're trying to accomplish something and they're getting in their way or they have a bad, our way, they have a bad attitude. You know, so many things can go wrong. So all these, all these negative experiences from a person in our family being ungrateful to somebody double crossing us when we're, you know, making this transaction. I'm not saying put up with wrong actions, but what I'm saying is um, take the high road and don't let your reactions escalate the problem and turn it into a bigger thing than it needs to be. We want to cultivate patience, thanksgiving, love, even when dealing with wrong actions so that nothing escalates beyond where it should be. The Bible, God is so true when he says a soft answer turns away wrath. We, I know that you've seen it in your life so many times. I have over and over, and I tried it, and our kids are you know, grown now, but when they were younger, that was one of the things that my husband and I taught them a lot, which is you know, if you're fighting, the fight only continues until somebody stops it. <laughs> but if you, if you just keep pushing back, it's just going to keep going. But if you stop 
and do something kind as much as a hug or listening or, oh, you're right, I'm sorry. That is a soft answer that completely deflates the problem. And this is part of the kitchen. I mean, it is part of life, but it's part of the kitchen too, because you might have kids bickering in the kitchen. That's another example. You might have family members that are ungrateful. And then of course, I mentioned before, just sourcing foods, you might have a bad experience. So just, you know, be wise, be wise about how you, how far you pursue grievances, um, for the sake of doing the right thing and, you know, cultivating and being a good example. So that was number 10, a soft answer turns away wrath. What do you guys think? You have anything to add to any of those? Thank you for the comment. She's saying thank you so much for your wise words. I truly appreciate them. Well, you're, you're, you're welcome. I appreciate that. I don't feel wise. I feel blessed. And relationships are very important to me. It's part of my personality. So these kind of things bother me when I see them in myself or others. So it's just sort of something that's always on my heart. You're welcome and spring, spring spinners giving a thumbs up. Being happy first says you are always an example to your children. Yes, you are always an example to your children. I mean, it's such a great responsibility when you think of it. Prairie Gentian says that this is so encouraging to me. I'm glad to hear it. God bless you. I'm glad you're encouraged. It's encouraging to me too. I've been preaching to myself here. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you all being here. And just a quick wrap up. Uh, if you're listening live, thank you again for being with me. And if you want to get in on the fun live, you would just follow periscope.tv slash tradcookschool or at tradcookschool on the Periscope app and watch sometime on Thursdays because that's when I hop on here to pre-record or to do a live recording of Know Your Food with Warty. If you're listening to this later and you're listening to the audio version on iTunes, please know that there is a video replay at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 151. If that interests you, you can see my sticky notes. <laughs> And of course, the show notes do have more than the video replay. They also have uh, just written out these kitchen rules and a few sentences about each one. Um, and I didn't really mention any links, but normally um, our show notes have links in them. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with me. God bless you all. I'll talk to you again in a week. And if you can join me again next Thursday, really look forward to it. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. Finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.